How's it going, everybody? Miguel here from CFS Recovery. In this video, we have Matt, and he's been on an incredible journey, and he's able to do a ton of things now that he was not able to do for the longest time. And so glad we could bring him on here to provide some inspiration and show you guys what is possible. So Matt, want to quickly introduce yourself? Hey, guys. I'm Matt, originally from Georgia. I live in South Carolina now, and I met Miguel I guess it was the end of the summer last year, about uh, around August, September is when I met you. And I just found you through all of your YouTube videos and you spoke my language and I just had to reach out. But awesome. It's good to be here with you one on one. Yeah, man. it's great to be chatting with you here. You know, I know we had a lot of conversations not too long ago. Well, nearly a year, actually. Time flies. Holy cow. And you're a different Matt from when I met you. We had a lot of goals when we first chatted and we've achieved a lot of them um, in the, the time that, you know, I guessed that I predicted we would achieve it by. So, you know, going back, you know, just maybe share us, uh, share with us a little bit about how you got sick. Like what kind of happened? You mentioned it was back in, you know, 2016 around that time, right? Yeah, it was about 2016. I, I was in sales, still am in sales, but back then I was in a different market within my industry and so under a tremendous amount of emotional stress and uh, physical stress as well. And just burning the candle at both ends, just was not living a healthy lifestyle. I was drinking pretty heavily and going out a lot and running on no rest, running on caffeine. And eventually it just caught up to me and I started feeling symptoms the end of 2016. And like a lot of people, I just, I didn't know what the heck was going on. I just, Figured I was tired and uh, needed a good two or three weeks vacation, but you know, nonetheless, things started to spiral, and you know, mm -hmm. one thing led to another. And did it all hit you at once, uh, or did it take a few months for all of this to build up, and then it, it's kind of like your body hit a wall? Oh gosh, I mean, it took. I feel like it just like gradually increased, tiny step by tiny step, and it's just. Kind of like our progress cycles will go up a little bit and then come back down with and then go up even further that's kind of how it was with with this like the symptoms would plateau and then i'd have something happen like a panic attack and then i'd just go into a whole new stage of symptoms and so you know went up gradually like started with di digestive issues at first a lot of fatigue and then i would stress about the symptoms and then something would happen like a massive panic attack and then it would take me to the next next stage of symptoms and then I use the analogy that it just tightened the mm. screw in tighter. So uh, definitely a whirlwind of emotions when you have these things going on and no one can give you any simple straight yeah, answers. Yeah, you why. went to the emergency room quite a bit, right? You're a familiar visitor over there because of all these flare-ups. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I can deal with a lot of stuff. I can deal with pain. I can deal with a lot of physical pain rather, but it's just when with my symptoms, it manifested through his a condition called POTS, which affected my heart rate. And so I would just do basic activities. I would just try to shower or stand up and go up a flight of stairs, forget it. So I would stand up and my heart rate would just go to like 120, 130 beats a minute. And just the stress of that and just questioning what is going on, why is this happening, uh, just makes the symptoms even worse. And then it adds to other things like brain fog. And then the fatigue is just almost unbearable. So when you have so many things going on, um, it can be, mm -hmm. it can be like a snowball. Uh, 
Definitely. Yeah, it can oh, compound thanks. pretty darn quickly. And I remember like when I used to have pots too, it's, it used to be one of those things that scared me the most. And it almost felt like I didn't trust. I literally did not trust my heart beating anymore. I was like, oh shoot, is it going to give out? Because mm -hmm. I felt like I was putting so much stress on it. And uh, same thing, even rolling over in bed, sometimes my heart rate would just spike or when I stand up to go to the washroom and um, it was pretty scary. Like that's one of my, one of the scariest symptoms. And then it gets to a point where it's like, okay, I know it's my heart rate. And then it just gets annoying, you know? So that was the big thing for you in the beginning. It was the high heart rate. And then it just triggered panic attacks, which led to a bunch of other symptoms. Yes, it started with digestive issues. And if we go into 2017, I just, I was losing so much weight and I was going to a gastroenterologist. They didn't have any answers as to why. And I think I dropped 20 pounds in a very short amount of time. And I went back and that's when the doctor said, wow, we have got to run tests. This is not normal. You're losing way too much weight. And it was just because my digestive system was in knots. It was just always irritated at something. So I thought it maybe had IBS or like the beginnings of like Crohn's disease or something. Cause there was pain involved as well, but they did everything, all the testing that would entail a gastroenterologist visit, uh, endoscopy, did a colonoscopy, numerous other tests. And it came back, you know, everything came back normal. So here I am without answers again. And then as time went on as went and the heart rate started to, uh, the pot symptoms started just gradually increase time went on but it all started mm -hmm. with my digestive yeah. system i think if i think back to when i got sick i think digestive systems were one of the early ones as well like inability to tolerate certain mm -hmm. foods or i'd eat a bunch of stuff if, like anything fried and then i'd wake up at, at 2 a.m like my heart pounding <laughs> and i'm <laughs> exactly, like do i need to call yes. the hospital am i having a heart attack or stroke or something and that's where a lot of my ER visits were was in the middle of the night because of that exact situation, you, you wake up in the middle of the night and then your nervous system yeah, has a habit of picking on you <laughs> when, when everything's closed. So it's like, I've got to run to the ER at three in the morning when I guess the best doctors are asleep <laughs> in their bed. So I get the bees going on at the emergency room. And, uh, I, I'd say probably like 90% of my ER really? visits were in the middle wow. of the night like wow. that. So. Man, it's just, man it's not I'm glad experience. we could laugh about it now, though, <laughs> right? Because at the time, it's like it's like a living hell. Yeah. But when you look back, it's like, wow, there was really nothing life threatening wrong. It was this whole time. It was just my nervous system. But at the time, it feels terrifying, you know. It's, it's absolutely terrifying, and especially when your heart yeah. rate gets up to 180 oh, no. around two. And then they put the they put the little EKG on you and then your heart rates through the roof. You're just thinking, Oh my <laughs> God, this is it, man. This is, this is how I go right here. And then mm -hmm. it just dissipates. So I don't wish it, maybe <laughs> I wish it on my worst enemy, but not for a long time. So it's, it's one of the, yeah. it can be traumatic as well. I mean, I'm sure there's residual, like some trauma left in, as a result of these things, but pretty good ability to push those kind of things to the back of my mind. I try to just, if we weren't on this call, I wouldn't even be, mm -hmm. I would never think of those occurrences, but it is good to look back and kind of be mm -hmm. able to laugh at it now because I realize this is the culprit. It's the, the central nervous system. And yeah. yeah. And it shows that like you fully, you know, accepted the situation versus, you know, feeling bad about it. Cause I know when we're in those dark times, we can start to feel really bad about ourselves and 
think of like, okay, shouldn't have been doing that, shouldn't have done this and can beat ourselves up. But when you get to a point where you're, you're pretty functional again and you start to get your life back and you can laugh about it, then it, it's, you're no longer like a, a prisoner of your past in a way, you know, and, and it's, teach, it's taught you lessons um, about just being grateful for life living life a little bit differently, pacing yourself a little bit more, you know, so. No kidding. Yes. Eliminated a lot of bad habits through this. At, at the at beginning, just because you're forced to, alcohol consumption, alcohol and caffeine were just uh, huge triggers for POTS. So I had to get rid of those. So overnight, seemingly my lifestyle changed and just my diet. And now that I'm a little bit past it, I don't really have any desire to ever drink again and or drink a Red, Red Bull, Bull again. I, I used to live up. So it's like lifestyle changes, but exactly. for the better. So, you know, you, you started feeling pretty run down in 2016, 2017. It was really hitting you. Uh, you were going to the ER and stuff. Just to give people an idea of where you were at, when you were at your lowest point, what did that look like activity-wise? Like what were you able to do or, or not do? Lowest point activity wise, you know, I guess I was lucky in the sense that I was able to work full time through this whole thing. And I guess the apex, if you want to call it, of how bad my symptoms were was in 2019. It was around, it was actually July 2019. And I had a massive panic attack in 2019. Went to the ER and they did an EKG and they said, you have a, what's called a STEMI. And they said, you're having a heart attack right now. And so, <laughs> Hearing that news, my heart rate then went through the roof and the doctor said, wow, I shouldn't have told you that because now your heart rate's at 180 plus beats a minute, whatever it was. I'll never forget his face, that doctor's face, looking at that EKG, his mouth wide open. There was five nurses in the room and they take me to the other hospital uh, in the ambulance. You're on that slab and then they're running to die and then you've got all these this team of nurses around you. And then they said, oh, false alarm. You're not having a heart attack. So that was probably the lowest point that I could have been at. They kept me for two days, just under observation, sent me home. I walked out of there on my own two feet. So it was the lowest point of, through this whole journey was in 2019, but I was still able to work full time throughout that entire period. Um, just, I had to cut my day short. I cut my day short at about two or three o'clock. So not necessarily full time, I guess you would say, but I was still able to perform a lot of my daily work duties through the midst of this. Yeah. So you, you resonated with my story and that's how most people, you know, come into the program. They see the YouTube videos and they're like, oh my gosh, he's describing verbatim what I experienced. It's yeah. almost exactly the same, you know, the symptoms, the going to the doctors, the, the same thoughts. You came on board and this is after trying other programs, but this seemed mm -hmm. like a, a way simpler version and a much more, I would say, hands-on program. Because, you know, we're messaging you, we have that private chat and all that stuff. Um, how helpful was it being on calls with other people going through similar things that you were going on and having it in the small group? Oh, that was huge. I love being, that's back when there were fewer people. It was a bit more intimate. There was only seven people in our group mm -hmm. back then. And so each call, there was just a handful of people. But, you know, you get to know them and you hear their stories and everyone's symptom profiles a little bit different so it's just interesting hearing how this manifests in these different people from all walks of life and every corner of the globe it seems like but it was 
definitely a, a breath of fresh air seeing other people there that understood what I was going through because I, I probably wore my family and friends out over the past several years since I, I got to a point where I quit bringing it up. But here you're just free to discuss mm -hmm. really anything as far as CFS is concerned. Yeah. And all the things you're describing, you know, people don't be you like you're crazy. We're like, yeah, we know that we understand that. Oh, I totally had that too. Oh, that weird symptom. Yeah, that's pretty normal. That happens at this stage of recovery. So you don't feel like like a crazy person, basically, talking to these people. Right. So for you, what was the biggest mind shift? Or what was like an early mind shift that you had that you think really helped move the needle for you? Um, Man, it was really just uh, recognizing what it was. Because like I said, it was just, I knew that I had POTS and I felt like if I'm going to get better, I have to beat POTS. I just still just didn't know why I got them. Like, I guess my stressful lifestyle led me to this point. But uh, what moved the needle the most was just to uh, just not be afraid of the condition anymore, to know what it is. It's my nervous system. It's, it's just, it's stuck. Like someone turned the knob up and on my nervous system and it's just stuck there. So mm -hmm. once I knew what it was, it just, that, that was the biggest mind shift. Once I knew the, the root cause of all of this and just kind of uh, pulled the curtain back on this condition. And mm -hmm. that in itself is still even now just the biggest, what helps me get through anything like these big APs, my out, ah, whatever, mm -hmm. whatever, you know, you just, you just deal with it. Yeah. You were responding pretty well to the symptoms. I mean, right off, right off the bat, actually, I remember early on you had that project, the garden project where you had to lay down a bunch of mulch in the sun yeah, and yeah. being in the sun was one of, one of your kind of kryptonites it would just wipe you out and you were able to do it that first weekend and you felt tired and stuff, but, um, you know, you were really well to those symptoms and even surprised yourself. I remember one of your biggest goals was to get back to work. Um, I think it was in November or something, right? November, December, and we were starting in August and that's what we built your plan around, you know, to build you up, to be able to do that. Right. Yeah. You guys built a plan where I could actually expand activity while working. But I just, I will say this, that I started the program and then I had I decided to put the, those uh, activities kind of on the back burner just because that is such a busy time of the year for me. So from October to December, I really just kind of cruised and saved up, saved that all that energy and all that, everything that I could do for my specific, exclusively for my job. And it wasn't until gosh, probably February that I then jumped back in. But when I jumped in in February is when I really went in full force and gave it everything. And I just, I took a sabbatical from work at that point. I don't go back until the beginning of July. And so I've just devoted all of my attention towards this. Cause I said, work is so distracting and it can be taxing mentally that I just need to just take the time as much time as I possibly can and just devote every bit of attention to recovery. But um, but yeah, just, I was surprised originally just how much I could do. And I think anyone watching this, you may be surprised at how much you actually can do, uh, I guess, when you don't fear the symptoms as much. Mm -hmm. And when you're not in that downward spiral and on high alert of all the, the symptoms going on, right? So you're able to do so many things now that you couldn't do even just a year ago. So let's actually highlight some of those things. What are some things you can do now and physically, mentally, emotionally, how is 
today different than it was like 12 months ago? 12 months ago, because I was able to still work. Um, after I got on medication and saw a few other specialists, that changed a lot of things for me, but I still was very limited within the confines of just a box of activity that I could do within a given day, within a given week. And how things have changed since then is that my capacity has just gradually gone up. And I'd say it's probably gone up, gosh, 50% than it was even back in February, dude. Like, like I said, like I just got into this, put my all my heart into this in February, and it's just amazing how far I've come even then. But just I could I could always go out and work. Uh, the past couple of years, I've been able to work pretty significant uh, amount versus back in 2019 and 2018. But it, there wasn't much left over at the end of the week. There was really nothing left over. And I know people get tired from working and the week catches up to them. But like this, it would just wipe me out for the whole weekend. I'd have to take the entire weekend and basically just recharge to get back out there there was a lot of times where i get home and just have to sleep from six o'clock till seven in the morning even though i'm not working full-time now like my day is just i try to fill it with physical activity like the thought of me getting on a treadmill or a recumbent bike and just riding five miles straight was unheard of months ago <laughs> and the fact that i'm lifting what i'm lifting um on my on my weights and working out even that, there's no way I would have had the audacity to even attempt that. <laughs> and when I first started, man, you guys had me doing uh, push-ups against my counter. I remember that. I was going to bring that up. I remember part of your personal plan. Oh, we might even put a picture of it somewhere yeah. here. I'll pop up a picture. But it was just, what is it, like five push-ups off the counter and like five bodyweight squats? It was wow. nothing. I would do like two bodyweight squats. My, my nervous system was like, what are you doing, man? Like, no, no. And that's how I started. Like, I was doing just small stuff on the counter, but it's the craziest thing. Cause I could go out all day and work and just do my daily activities. But as far as any type of other exertion, uh, like exercise, forget it. So that's how it started. And now it's just, man, I'm working out three, four times a week at this point, you know, lifting, trying to lift heavy. What I what's heavy for me anyway, you know, I, yeah. I, Let's hear those numbers, man, for, for anybody out there watching this right now, who knows like the gym and the weights, like what kind of numbers you pushing for bench press deadlift? Uh, deadlift <laughs> you put me on the spot here. I did 185 twice. And, but I, I felt that I've got, I've always had shoulder issues. So I wasn't, I'm not going to heavy anymore. Mm -hmm. So I just do like, man, I'll rep like low reps for 135. And, um, let me see, like incline, it'll be a little bit less. Squats is almost nothing. Like squats are the hardest ones to do. Like that one would get the biggest response. But you know, I've always those were I've always been good at those particular exercises. But I'm getting there, man. Like uh, curl bar, I'm curling like 85 pounds. So curling yeah. 85 pounds. Yeah, that's for higher, that's for higher reps doing the curls. So I'm getting there, man. Like give me six, Miguel, give me six months, bro. Yeah, yeah. We'll do another months. one of these, and uh, yeah. you're gonna be like all jacked and everything. Well, I, I just I remember back to the counter pushup days yeah, and the body weight squat days. And that would, you know, trigger your nervous system. So to be pushing weight, like you're pushing now, it's, it's great. You know? and yeah, I will say this. I noticed the difference after I started taking creatine again, man, like creatine, you'll just, it's been probably three or four weeks. I've been on that and it does make a difference. Um, mm -hmm. so I'm sure like a little bit of the strength games have helped because that stuff does help a little bit. Yeah. In fact, that in, so man, that's what, that was always my biggest hobby. 
I loved exercising and the fact that I couldn't do that. And I was like withering away. I lost 40 pounds as a result of all this. And just the gut punch of that, just being a guy still in your prime, being a man in your prime and just being so enclosed in this invisible prison that no one can understand. Mm-hmm. And then even you don't even understand it. Yeah. Not you, Miguel, but the person going through it may not understand it. And so, um, yeah. it's just, it, it is a, a, it's so humbling. It's a, definitely an ego check. For sure. I thought yeah. I was just unbeat. I thought I was just, uh, indestructible almost. I'm like, man, I can handle anything. And then boom, this thing will just humble you real quick. Like, oh, yeah. it's like, you're, it's like almost like you betrayed your, your own body. It's like your own body doesn't trust you anymore. Pretty and, much that that's a good explanation of it. Yeah. So it, it forces you to slow down. And the biggest thing is it is an ego check a lot of times, especially for people who push themselves very, very hard, which that was me. That was you. That's a lot of people watching this video right now. It's whether it's work or, or something they were doing and trying to push themselves. And then something like COVID or some virus or something happens in their life. And that's the final straw that broke the camel's back. You know, we tend to be type A personalities, over pushers, over thinkers, all of those. Mm-hmm. But it, it's amazing because you've made a lot of the changes in the last eight to nine months, just mentally and, and physically and, and, and with your habits, which reflects in all of your progress. You know, going from doing push-ups off a counter and bodyweight squats to now man. pushing a plate on bench. Dude, I'm surprised how fast it came too, man. It's like, it's almost like it never left. And they say like there's muscle memory, but God, Lee, man. Cause I was, I was doing, a, I went from the counter and at that point after a very short time, I then started doing a lot of push-ups over my ottoman <laughs> and, and, and yeah. I my couch. And so I was doing a lot of those actually. So I'm sure that contributed so I was able to bench a little bit more because I would just, I'd do as many push-ups as I possibly could and uh, doing like resistance bands work, um, doing that throughout the day as well. And mm-hmm. then, I, and then it was Adrienne who really motivated me to actually get on the bike and mm-hmm. just increase my cardiac uh, capacity. And so that was another huge one, man. But then I kind of focused everything. I said, well, I'd rather lift weights. So I, I kind of ditched the bike and <laughs> bought a, a, a whole weight set. So, even I'm surprised at how fast it's come back. Just how yeah. fast my threshold has increased. Like every time I go through an AP, I just am able to do a little bit more. Yeah, exactly. If you respond well, you unlock a new level of health. And in the beginning, it's hard to believe that. And even though you hear us telling you guys it over and over again, it's like when you're in the thick of it and the flare up, you really have to, you know, buckle up and keep telling yourself, okay, this this is a good thing. I'm not going backwards. I'm not going backwards. Miguel and the coaches, they said I would get to the next level. And then, you know, as you go through more progress cycles, you know, it's easier to get through them because you've seen it work. Right. Whereas now it's more so just, it's a patience game, if anything, because you already know you're not going to go backwards or, you know, it's not a setback, but you do know you have to give some time to recharge, whether it's a few days or, you know, however long. Right. Yeah. And that's a big one. I say this in the calls too, that I don't, worry really about the APs anymore. And because I tell myself like, it's never going to be as bad as it was back in 2017, 2018, like that era, there's no way it's ever going to get that bad again. Mm -hmm. And that that in itself motivates me. Like I'm past that worst part of my life up to 30 something years old. That was the darkest parts of my life. And that part is in the rear view. And now it's just, 
it is just patience. That's really what it is, man. It's just, and I have a tendency of being impatient, especially when I just want to go, go, go. Yeah. And it was junior also just listening to him convince me to just, you know, just take it a little bit slow. And, and you as well, Miguel said, just kind of sit back and just smell the air, man. Just, just, sit yeah. back and just enjoy it. And so I, I have dialed it back a little bit, but not much, you know, I'm still just trying to, I've got my yeah. own personal goals, but also have to take time just to appreciate just how far things have progressed in such a short amount of time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Things can change very quickly. Like even, even a year ago, right. Let's say before you came into the program, you couldn't even think about benching a plate or doing no. those things. Whereas now it's, it's a common occurrence, right? So even me, sometimes I, I have to remind myself to have perspective when I'm getting frustrated or stressed out, you know, with a lot of things going on. I'm like, wait a minute, this is all a gift. There was a time when I wished I could do all these things. I wish I had eight calls in a day or something that that's a gift. So now mm -hmm. I just really reframe everything to, okay, this is just a, a cherry on top. Cause I know so many points in my journey where I, it could have all ended right there, but it didn't. Like in my mind, in some of those times, like yourself, you know, I can imagine you, you were telling yourself, okay, well, I lived a good life. That was it. <laughs> yeah. I'm in the emergency room. This is, this is how I go out. And little did you know, at the time there was so much more life after that. It's, right? it's just like, you think back, like, I guess you really have a, almost a touch with death, not to sound hundred percent. Yeah. And it really is like you get a taste of your own mortality and you just look back on your whole life when you're sitting there and you got all these nurses around you and like, man, like all I could think about was other people. I could just think about my family. Yeah. Yep. That's all I was really thinking about that. And then the guy comes in, the cardiologist comes in, throws, he had a Hawaiian shirt, throws his white jacket on. He looks at the thing, does whatever I'm halfway in a daze, And then he just says, ah, oh, yeah, I'll fast alarm. You're not having a heart attack. That's insane. <laughs> Like, dude, are y'all for real? <laughs> After all that, like, a ride, man. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. Thank God, I guess, right? But, yeah, I guess it's good and bad at the same time. At the end of the day, yeah. it's good because you weren't having one, but it's like, come on, guys, we couldn't have done that a different way. Like, that was actually bittersweet. And if you ask me if I would go through that again, I would have to say yes. And the reason being is because after that, they put me on a beta blocker. And, dude, that changed everything like all the pot symptoms i had basically just went silent and it was amazing the first beta blocker they put me on it wasn't the it definitely wasn't that story my body just my blood pressure plummeted off that first beta blocker went back they put me on a different one and whatever that that one they put me on um, that changed everything and from that point i was able to do so much more just because i didn't have to deal with this constant pounding in my chest mm -hmm. so beta blocker helped tremendously and a few other supplements i take and it all but just quieted the pot symptoms mm -hmm. to a point. Now I still couldn't exercise how I wanted to, and my nervous system still reacted to minimal exercise and minimal output past my daily activities, but it allowed me to go through daily life in peace, basically. It, it helped tremendously. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. When you want awesome. to feel those pot symptoms all day, it's just a massive weight off your off your mind, off your stress levels. So for yeah. me, that helped tremendously, but I still was just still confined within that box. I couldn't do a lot of extracurricular activities, I guess you would say. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's the thing with, you know, medication as well. Like there's a time and place for it. And, uh, you know, if they can put you on the right stuff, then 
yeah, it can help. It can help dampen the symptoms, uh, the particular symptoms, but in terms of, you know, recovering to thriving health, you can take a mixture of both the medication and the brand new training and the stuff we do here. So, but you get on the right stuff and you use these approaches. It's like the perfect one, two punch combo, mm-hmm. you know? And that's where we really made a ton of progress. So is there something you would want to say to somebody uh, who's in your shoes, not really knowing what's going on? They're like, am I going to have this for the rest of my life? Am I ever going to get better? What would you say to somebody who's watching this video right here, right now, and thinking about that? I'd say, man, I feel for you. (laughs) I've been there. Um, But I would say that there are answers out there. And I say that you were the best thing that happened to me throughout this whole experience, Miguel. I'm like, thank God I found Miguel because I'd still be at square one just figuring out how to, how to beat pots. But you've told me the way, show me the way out of just a lot of things, man. Just the way to look at life in general without getting too, I guess, without too emotional or, or, or woo-ha about the whole thing. But it's just such a fundamental change in just how you process stress as well. So I'd say to that person, if you're looking for answers, just reach out to you, just schedule a one-on-one. And I know that not everyone fits into this program, but if you've been going through things, like if you've been watching these videos and seeing people that have similar symptoms in you there, this may be the answer because man, I went what over four years, five years, something like that with this before I even found you. So, you know, I know other people we've had 12 years, gosh, 10 years, I'm just thinking of other people within our own group that have dealt with us such a long time. And it's just now you have shown them the way out. So I would say to other people, like there is, there are answers to this. There mm-hmm. is a way out of this. Yeah, there is definitely a way out and there's a proven strategic, you know, way out. That's not by luck. It's not by chance. It's not just, mm-hmm. oh, let's give it a try, see what happens. No, there's an actual roadmap that we've created you know, that doesn't just work for myself or just the coaches. It works for people just like yourself and, you know, people dealing with these things. So if people are on that roller coaster and that merry-go-round of different specialists, and especially if the doctors are not really telling you anything, and they're saying, you know, you're completely normal, like they told us, then definitely look <laughs> into the Harvey Jumpstart program, you know, and we can get you unstuck, right? So is there anything else you'd like to share with people, Matt? Any words of encouragement, words of inspiration, or, uh, you know, anything like that? I guess words of encouragement. I mean, I'm just able to do so much more. I mean, today I was at a, a little golf tournament at this country club down the road and just being able to do daily things again, just uh, like extracurricular activities, not just go to work, come home, and then immediately go to bed because I'm too exhausted. So, I mean, just to get out there every day and just like, I appreciate things so much more. I get out in that garage and I've got this, this whole weight set waiting on me and I've just kind of turned my garage into this little gym. And so just things I would have never done even months ago, man. So, and I just appreciate all the coaches. I know, you know, I feel like I've been lucky in the sense that I didn't maybe necessarily have it, this condition as bad as other people. Miguel, I don't, I still think you might've had this worse than anything. I think so. Dude, it just still blows my mind how you came back from that. So you were just that you are like the walking testament that this will work. Because if you can come back from that, man, I feel like there's a higher power that puts you where you are right now to help people. Because a lot of people we see have COVID, long COVID, Mm -hmm. 
just wild how you just kind of developed this program, I guess, out of necessity because what you uh, what you saw was going on around you. And it's just, I feel so bad for those people that had long COVID. So, you know, but there's so many other people to draw inspiration from uh, within our group. And, you know, maybe someone gets inspired listening to my story, but there's, I don't know, how many of you have done of these now, Miguel? I feel like there's been dozens. Yeah. These interviews that you've done now, just people that have come back from all these different types of uh, symptoms and levels of fatigue. So, you know, I was a luckier one where it's, it didn't affect me as much, but I'm still just so grateful that I found this program because I just see like the road ahead. And however long that takes, I know that I still don't have, I feel like I don't have that much left before I'm back to even better health than when I, before all of this started. Yeah. Yeah. You're pretty yes. darn close, man. Pretty darn close. And, uh, now that I'm going to be better than before 2016, man. Cause I was like 185 pounds, just a mess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's awesome. man. That's I'm so exciting for me. So, <laughs> so excited to see what's to come for you. Uh, so what are some goals coming up for you? Like, what are some, do you have any goals you want to hit? Um, you know, in terms of work or just exercise or being able to do things in the near future right now? Yeah, man, I've got a lot of goals. I want to travel. I definitely want to make that Thriver trip in Hawaii and be able to go yeah. on a hike. Because last time I went on a hike, I had to get pulled out by EMTs. So yeah, the ATV story. Yeah, man, don't want that to happen again. So that's a big goal for me is to be able to go on that hike, you know, meet you guys down there. And just I've got my own little personal goals of just, you know, hitting new PRs in the gym and being able to run again, man, like being able to run. And I know you told me that I'd be able to jog here and start jogging more and increase, you know, my capacity doing that. So, you know, just, I take it one day at a time and just try to get up every day and look outside and just realize like, man, you're lucky to be here, dude. Like, yeah. Yeah. Because it could have, and who was it? Adrienne says this, she says that, you know, be grateful that your nervous system, that it, it saved you pretty much it saved yeah, you from yourself. Exactly. You know, put the brakes on the, the life that you were living and said, you got to make some changes. So I do look at it like, man, I could be 200 plus pounds, high blood pressure, like high cholesterol. Who knows what I mean? I mean, with, at 29, 30 years old, having those things back then, like, you know, I'm just grateful that my nervous system, I guess, put the brakes on me and said, man, we're going to make some changes one way or another. You're going to stop doing what you're doing. <laughs> so, yeah. but it is good to be able to look back and laugh about it and I look forward to what the future holds because man Miguel who knows next summer dude <laughs> it's gonna be a, a whole summer. new level yeah. yeah that's exciting that's exciting man so I, I'm so happy to see like how far you've come and like you've been really prioritizing your health and you know following a lot of the stuff you know we've been teaching you and following the game plan that's what I loved about uh, and what I still love about working with you is like, you know, you follow the plan, right? And you implement it, even though it's not easy sometimes, you know, you stick to it and you're being patient and uh, really making changes for the better in terms of overall habits. Because I know even in the beginning, like you wanted to do so much stuff and we we're like, all right, Matt, let's slow it down, slow it down a little bit. And you're like, okay, okay. Um, but that's why we made it this far, you know, and you didn't relapse or crash, you know. So we've been on a really good trajectory. Exactly. And I'm being pretty delicate with it. Like I, I won't get past the, that five level. And there's a learning curve with even going through this program. You know, you have to learn how to navigate the APs, mm -hmm. navigate the symptoms. Cause I'll get, I 
remember one workout I did, it like for a split second, like triggered like that panic part of my brain. My brain's like, whoa, dude, you're like way overdoing it. But it lasted like 30 seconds and it was gone. Any other time that would happen, I'd, I'd wind up in the ER. Mm-hmm. It's just wild that, that rush of panic, whatever that is, whatever that chemical is. It, and I just felt it just surge through my whole body. I'm like, oh, crap. Like, yeah. no, it's been so long. I don't want to go back to the ER. And then I just sat back and just like, like focus, dude. Like, chill out, just relax. You know what this is. And then like 30 seconds later, it was gone. And I went back out and did a couple more sets. I'm like, man, I got <laughs> I got to chill. Seriously. I'm gonna <laughs> back and so, finish the workout. <laughs> yeah, man. So, you know, it helps when one of my favorite hobbies is actually contributing to my recovery. So yeah. it's like recovering. But at the same time, I've got this hobby. I'm trying to build my strength back and Mm-hmm. you know not walk around in the body i was in when i was 19 years old so it's, <laughs> it's nice to, you know build yeah. up muscle again yeah that's awesome man that's awesome man my last question is you know so far with you know your journey with us in cfs recovery would you say it's been a good investment <laughs> absolutely man yeah <laughs> no doubt of course of course so anyways like, man there, go ahead can't put a price on on good health gosh and i think that the reluctance that anyone would have towards this is is this really going to help me and i think that's but your interview was so thorough your first interview with me determining if i was the right fit for this program that i think that if you sit down with anyone and you give the green light on that person then that investment is a no-brainer for that person because not everyone is right for this and i think you say this in a lot of your videos but if you are then definitely go forward with it i mean I look at a coach like Krista and like Krista was a big motivation for me also, man. She, I think she had worse symptoms than I did when we started. Now I look at her and she's a coach and, you know, mm-hmm. riding her own way. And you see a story like other coaches, junior, same thing, man. Look at junior. Yeah. You know, yeah. HBN, they, like all the coaches, they just, we all came from the same place. It just mm-hmm. a little bit different uh, paths leading up to the illness. Exactly. Exactly. So, Anyways, man, it's been really great chatting with you here and sharing your story and all these people watching right now, you know, you're going to be a source of inspiration for so many people, especially people wanting to get back into working out and, uh, you know, getting jacked again, getting their fitness levels up, all of that. So I just want to say thank you for being on here, taking the time to share some of your story. We'll be doing another one like this uh, in the near future as well, when you're even better. Anytime I get one-on-one with you, Miguel, is is awesome. So it's great to just catch up with you like we have for the next one. Oh, yeah. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing you in person in Hawaii when you do that retreat. (laughs) For sure, man. It's going to be exciting, man. It's going to be exciting. So everybody, if you're watching this right now and you're inspired, just know that there's there's people like Matt all around the world. And and you could be like the next Matt or the only version of your recovery story. There's so many people who have gone through this journey, who have been in the trenches, been to the ER so many times, seen dozens of doctors and specialists and, you know, feeling stuck. And there is an answer out there. We have the answer, right? So if this inspired you, if you resonate with any of this at all, um, you know, I'd encourage you to leave a comment down below. What was your biggest takeaway? And if you really want to take things to the next level, you know, click the link down below and check out the recovery jumpstart program, you know, see what we do. See if it's a good fit for you. Uh, book a call with one of our team members, either myself or someone on our onboarding team. And we would love to see if you're a good fit for the program. Um, you know, we just want to get as many people to this Hawaii Thriver retreat as, uh, as possible. 
Sure. You know, we want to get as many people there because that means we have helped so many people recover. So hope you enjoy this. Always remember that you are a thriver and you are just one mind shift away from living life with thriving health. See you in the next video. Thanks so much, Matt. See you, Miguel.